What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the show. I really appreciate you being here, and I hope you are doing amazing whenever you hear this episode. But today, we're going to be talking about the things that I used to believe. And I'm sitting here staring at this list, and I think there's nine or ten things that I used to do, things that I used to think, believe, um, prioritize when I was kind of going through the initial stages of my own health and fitness journey things that I've helped people, I would say, overcome at the beginning of their health and fitness journey as I've been diving into this online coaching and, and working with clients for over a year now. And, you know, as I as I look back and, and look at these things, I think it's a list of, of things that people are still doing today. And this episode is kind of designed to just give a refresher and, and some reinforcement to some of the common like myths and things that you might hear from people or see in the, in the fitness space and on social media, because I think we all can relate to each other on, you know, one way or another. And when we think of our start of our fitness journey and how long we've been working towards our goals and what our goals are and kind of the, the misconceptions that we bought into and believed in the very beginning, you know, I, it's only fun to, to kind of look back and laugh at those sometimes, because if you think about it, you know, if, if you look back a year from now and if you are in a position where you're thinking similarly, you know, you're doing the same things, but you're not happy with where you're at. Oh man, that's, that's a sign that you're not a progressing, but also not developing and expanding your knowledge in, in pushing the boundaries and getting outside of your comfort zone. Right. Because, you know, if we think about it there, there's a somewhat of a linear progression of, you know, your personal development and your fitness and your nutrition and your relationship and your business and your work and your career. Like the longer you do things, a, the more, I guess proficient you are at certain things, but the more you realize like what's working and what's not working, you know, and before I kind of go into this list, this kind of brings me back to a couple of weeks ago. And if you know me, you know, I've talked about my own, you know, coaching, nutrition and fitness coach, um, Jordan, if you listen to this podcast, I appreciate you, man. Um, but also my business coach too. And Tony, if you're listening to this, you know, I appreciate you. And, um, as part of this like mastermind and business coaching that I've kind of invested into this last year, we, we did this exercise. So I, I can't take credit for this, but this is, I just thought of this and it's kind of a good transition into what we're going to be talking about today. Um, but we did this exercise called the gap versus the gain. And oh man, I'm going to try and, uh, you know, reiterate it as best as I can, but imagine yourself today, right? Like today we're sitting here, it's what, February 8th, 2022. Um, so whenever you listen to this episode, like imagine that there's an X in a circle. Like if you're looking at a piece of paper, there's an X with a circle and that represents today's date, like where you're at today. Now, if we were, if you're looking, you know, at say this imaginary piece of paper, or maybe you're driving or you're working out or whatever you're doing right now, listening to this, like imagine today and the future ahead, right? Like if you put an arrow towards what goals you're working towards right now, maybe, I don't know, maybe your goal right now is, is a nutrition or fitness goal. Maybe it's to get to a certain body fat percentage or a certain weight or 
to get to a certain relationship with food or, um, you know, maybe right now you're working towards financial goals or um, business goals, you know, whatever goals that you're working towards. And we all have things that we want, right? And things that we're working towards and and things that we're kind of investing our energy into. You know, if we think about, if you were to look at this imaginary piece of paper and there's an X in the middle of the paper, if we were to draw an arrow to the right, at the end of that arrow, that's that's the future. Like that's the goals that we're working towards. That's what we really want, or that's what we really want. Um, and this is kind of, you know, the ideal. What what would our goals be like if we were in a perfect world and we were able to to get them tomorrow, right? And man, unfortunately, when we when we have this mindset of we're always thinking in the future, um, you know, this is when those kind of negative thoughts and, and you talking shit to yourself can, can just kind of start to keep creep in and things like I'm not doing enough. Right. And telling yourself like, I'll be happy when, um, this is kind of when you're in that state of comparison and, and you're always wanting something more than where you're at today. Right. Like this is essentially the gap. Okay. So where we're at today and where we want to be, you know, the road and the time and the journey from where we are today and where we want to be, that's the gap, right? Like something's missing and, and we want to bridge that gap so we can get closer to the end goal. You know what I mean? But if we were to look, and so if you're looking at this imaginary paper still, looking to the right, we have an arrow pointing right towards our goals, what we're working towards, whatever it may be. If you were to draw an arrow backwards, right? So looking, I guess, in the rear view of your driving right now, you know what I mean? Or, or if you're walking, like imagine what, what's behind you, but this gap or sorry, it's, it's not the gap. This is the gain. Um, and this is essentially the journey that you've taken to get to where we're at today, you know, for better or for worse. And a lot of times what I see in this, honestly, this Top of conversation, me starting this podcast, it kind of started from this last week because I went over this exercise with a client of mine because, you know, he's always wanting something more and we get to a goal and it's like, what's next? What's next? What's next? Right. But we fail to appreciate kind of the little things, the little victories, the, the path that it's the path that we've taken to get us to where we're at today. Right. But a lot of times we neglect the success that we've had. We refuse to acknowledge the, the small victories that we've been able to to hit along the way because we're constantly obsessed with this idea that we need more, you know, and, and that we want to get to a different place and that we're not happy now because we'd be happy in a different body or in a different state or in a different, you know, financial bracket or, or in a different, you know, relationship, right? Like the things that we're working towards constantly and the things that we're dreaming about, a lot of that is always just discrediting the road that we've been able to take to this point. Which in reality, if you think about it, you know, if we if we weren't able to take those first steps and, and to hit those benchmarks before, you know, where you're sitting today, like thinking about some of those goals that you're working towards now, like honestly, they might not even be possible. Right. But looking back, like this gain and this journey that we've been able to take, like this is where this is where gratitude comes into play, right? And appreciation and this idea that you're really proud of, of how far you've come, but you're not satisfied, right? So as you sit here today, or if you're looking at this piece of paper, or, you know, whatever you're doing and you're going forward, right? Like the goal is always to get better, get 1% better every day, right? But 
this idea that we need to be complacent and that we're good where we're at. Like if you're not growing, be honest, like we're dying, you know, and that's with our, uh, honestly, our, our physical health, our emotional health, our personal development. Like if we're not doing something every day, every week, every month to, to get better and to just create a better version of ourselves, like we're just being complacent and, and, and we're not making progress. Right. So, um, this kind of ties in to what we're talking about today because I kind of did this exercise this past month and I'm going to start doing it more frequently, but looking back like three months ago where I was at, right? Like what, what was I thinking? What were my goals then? What was I working towards? You know, thinking back a year, like where was I this time last year and ask yourself like, where was I this time last year? And if you need help, like go to your, go to your phone and look at your photos and look where you were at last year, right? Like what, what's improved since then, you know, like thinking back a year ago and then take that to the next level and think where you were three years ago. Right. And again, questions to ask yourself are like, what have I learned? What's changed? What goals have I accomplished in that time span? What's improved? Like, what have I said no to, you know? And when you start asking yourself these questions and start digging a little bit deeper, you start to appreciate the road that you've, that you've traveled and you start to, you know, realize that you've, you've probably accomplished a lot of stuff along the way. So this idea that we're always thinking in the future and we always want to get to a new place and we always want to take the next step and, and hit a certain goal. And at the end of the day, that's just taking away from what we've been able to accomplish so far and, and kind of the journey that we've taken to get there um, today. So you know, you can never measure happiness looking forward, right? You can only measure that and, and appreciate it by looking backwards and connecting the doc, dots backwards in a certain sense, you know? So as I go into this list, uh, this is kind of how this list somewhat originated because I, I've been going over this with some clients of mine and we've been brainstorming and, and just looking back and seeing all the milestones that we've been able to hit and where we want to get to, but using that path to, to, keep that momentum flowing into the future, right? Because if we think we're starting at day one right now, like it's a, that's a hard first step to, to take over and over and over again. So, you know, use the journey, use the path, use the accomplishments and all the success that you've had up until this point as momentum and, and as your foundation going forward, because the more you implement those small behaviors and those lifestyle changes and we're talking about our nutrition and fitness, you know, the consistency that you have with, you know, hitting your calories or macros or, your intuitive eating approach, or, you know, maybe it's getting into the gym and being in there consistently. And all of those things are going to add up, right? But we just got to give it time because be honest with yourself, like nothing happens overnight and where you're at today didn't happen in a matter, in a matter of months, right? Likely it's, it's taken more than three months, more than a year, more than three years. Some of you have been taking 10 years, but just appreciate that gain, that arrow pointing backwards and, and use that to bridge the gap going forwards too. Okay. So it happens all the time. Like we get to that goal that we're working towards and it's like, nobody's throwing you a fucking party because you hit your body weight goal, right? Like nobody cares at the end of the day, you know, about yourself as much as you do. And I'm sure you feel like this because I've definitely felt like this before. Like you hit a goal and you, you still feel empty. You know, it's like, oh, I hit this financial marker. I hit this fitness goal. I hit this PR, but it's like, well, well, what's next? You know, and it's just, it's a never ending process. If you don't physically and, you know, 
take a step back and, and just appreciate what you've been able to accomplish because that process will continue forever if you allow it to. So, you know, a lot of this list that I'm going to be talking about today came from me reflecting on, you know, what was I thinking a year ago, you know, and three years ago and, and even seven or eight years ago when I started my own personal fitness journey and pursuits and started getting to the gym and, and doing all these things that, you know, that have led to me to, to being in the spot I'm in today and to help people to kind of reach their goals and to work with them and, and do this online one-on-one coaching training, like all these things to help people get to their goals quicker. Right. Because I think that's the power of, of investing into other people. And that's why I've done it myself, my therapist, my, my nutrition coach, my fit or uh, my trainer, my business coach, you know, a lot of people that have helped me along the way, you don't need to know everything. Right. But you have to appreciate the process and know that it is a process and not going to, it's not going to happen overnight. So, um, this list, I did create it overnight, but it's, um, I think it's something that we can all relate to. And it's something that I just want to share a little bit more about because you may be in some of these spots right now, believing some of these things. And the goal of today is to, is to help reinforce that you're not the only one that's been through this or is going through this right now. And that, you know, making some small changes in, in changing direction can, can make all the difference in the world. So man, without further ado, let's get into the, get into the list. So number one of things that I used to believe is that the leaner you are, the healthier you are. And this is something that I've, you know, obviously me majoring in nutrition and going to school for it and practicing it and working with people and going through my own health pursuits, like there was a point in my life where I thought being as lean as possible, right? Seeing the people in the magazines on Instagram, on social media, like the leaner you are, the healthier you are, right? Like it it has to, it has to work out like that, you know? And man, I couldn't have been further from the truth, right? Because health is not, it's not a look, you know? It's, it's something that goes so much deeper than, you know, if you have abs or not right? Or what your body fat percentage is or what your BMI or what your weight is, you know, and and what weight you started at and what you get to like the leaner you are. Sure. You might reduce your risk depending on, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into this, but depending on where you fall in your weight for your height and, and where you started from and, and your risk for, you know, disease and comorbidities and things like that going like, yes, the less weight that you have, like if, if we're not overweight and we're not obese, obviously our health outcomes will be better, you know, the less body fat we have and the more we take care of ourselves. Right. But I'm talking about the other extreme of this, you know, and and we see those people who have the perfect ass, right. And the perfect abs and are shredded and have really good arms. And like, those are the images that we have and the visions that we see ourselves, you know, accomplishing one day. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's amazing because you have no idea what those people did to get to that goal and take that a step further. Like a lot of you and myself included would absolutely hate their lives. You know, if they live the lives of those people and those influencers and, and the bodies and the people who we see that we look up to, a lot of us would hate those lives if we lived it, you know, we knew what it actually cost to get that lean first and foremost. Um, and what it costs to actually stay in that body and to stay that lean year round and to stay looking that good and how much effort it takes on, on the front end, how many years it takes of lifting and maybe eating in a surplus and doing structured resistance training. Like a lot of people like that isn't worth it, 
you know, and that's okay. Um, but we have to appreciate that. And, you know, for me, I always thought the leaner I got, the healthier I was, you know, and the leaner you get to a certain extent, like a, the more psychological kind of, <laughs> the more psychologically fucked up we can be, to be honest with you. Cause I know people who are lean and shredded and look really good, but have worse mental health and body image and muscle dysmorphia than, than people who have 20 more pounds of fat on them. Right. So this idea that, Hey, every problem that we have is going to be solved and we're going to reduce our risk for everything and every disease. And we're going to have a healthy body image. And you know, the leaner we are, the better this, these things get like, honestly, I couldn't be further from the truth, you know, and, and health is, is internal, you know, it's not all external, you know, and I, I know plenty of people who have terrible cholesterol, <laughs> um, horrible triglycerides who are, who are relatively lean, right. But they, they look like they would be the epitome of health, but at the end of the day, we don't know what's going on, you know, physiologically inside and, and emotionally what's going on inside their head. So don't assume like the leaner you get or the leaner that you are, the happier you are and the healthier that you are. Okay. Cause you have no idea what's going on internally. And, and there's a lot of things that can happen the leaner that you get, right? Like decreased sex drive, you know, uh, a lot of ladies, like the leaner you get, you could lose your period potentially, right? Like there's a lot of devastating effects of being super lean and being at a super lean, you know, body fat percentage because your body relies on a lot of those resources and body fat that A, it takes to to work properly, but to also, you know, be in a state where it's not in this situation where it's in a place of scarcity, you know? So moral of the story, you know, the leaner you are, that doesn't necessarily equate to health. So I just need you to remember that health isn't necessarily a look. And, and this is something that I fell for in the beginning because I was somebody who was always trying to be lean, always trying to have abs, always trying to build bigger arms. Right. But a lot of times the, it's very emotionally taxing. Um, and a lot of times, you know, not eating enough and cutting calories and being your leanest, like you're depriving yourself from a lot of really important nutrition and micronutrients and macronutrients that it takes to keep your body, you know, <laughs> functioning properly, um, keeping your digestion in check, keeping, you know, a lot of your lipid markers in check, your micronutrient status in check, your thyroid, your hormones in check, you know, the leaner you are, sometimes the, the more complications can arise for the longer period of time that, you know, you're at a lower body fat percentage. So, um, yeah. And, Honestly, this kind of carries us into to number two, which is I used to think that you only have to track food if you want to lose weight. And to be honest, I didn't start tracking food until I was year like three or four into my own fitness journey. And I started because I thought I wanted to lose weight in the beginning. And, you know, in order to do that, I decided to track calories and I came out honestly with a pretty awfully low <laughs> number and um, I stuck with that and I, and I lost some weight, you know, but when I got to, to a certain weight and I, I realized that, Hey, what's under my body, what's under my fat, you know, what I'm revealing wasn't what I anticipated it to be. And I realized that like, Hey, you have to actually put muscle on. Like that's, that's just as an important piece of this equation as losing the fat is. And unfortunately, 
losing fat is a lot easier than dedicating time and putting on muscle over time. So what did I do? Stop tracking because I'm like, well, I only need to track if, if I want to lose weight, right? And I could just eat whatever I want and I could eat healthy and that's going to equate to me eating more calories and giving essentially my muscles and my body the, the energy and the proteins that it's going to need to, to build up and, and to create that image that I was looking for over time, right? But what happened is my weight just stalled. Like it stayed the same. And, and the cleaner I ate, the, the more protein I ate, the more veggies I ate, eating more snacks with fruits and high fiber stuff. Like <laughs> the, honestly, my weight just stayed the same. And what I didn't realize is yes, you can absolutely eat clean quote unquote. Right. But what it takes is, is to get in a calorie surplus. Right. And you have no idea honestly, what 3000 calories looks like of you making all your meals at home and meal prepping and having snacks prepared at home and not eating out, you know, away from, uh, from home consistently, because let's be honest, like you can go to cheesecake factory and get a 3000 calorie plate of pasta. Right. And then you top that off with the 1200 calorie, you know, slice of cheesecake. And, and just like that, you're at 4000 calories or more, you know, and it's, uh, it's incredibly easy to, do this like dirty bulk where you just eat an, an unbelievably amount of food and you expect that that's all just going to be used as, you know, building blocks and you're going to build this body, your dream. So there's this balance between eating enough calories, but eating the right amount of calories, the right amount of macros, getting enough micronutrients in and not overdoing it to the point where your body is just going to be storing that extra energy as fat, right? Because there, there's this balance where, man, I don't know. I think it's like up to two, 300 calories above your maintenance calorie range, which is kind of maybe an optimal range for you to eat at in order to build muscle, but also limit the amount of fat that you're putting on, right? And the goal in kind of a bulking phase or a muscle building phase is, is not necessarily to gain as much fat as possible, right? I think you can ask anybody, myself included, like the goal of, of you eating more is not to just put on fat because that's super uncomfortable and that goes against everything that we've been taught to do and what we've been programmed into thinking of, of what we want, right? Which is losing body fat and revealing those muscles and things under, under that fat. But, you know, getting to the point where you're eating enough calories and you're eating enough calories from from really good foods and not just, you know, eating anything and everything under the sun and just expecting those two to balance out the same, right? And where I'm getting at relating this back to this idea of like, you only have to track food to lose weight, like tracking food to gain weight is just as important too, because, you know, if you're, if you're unaware of how many calories you're actually eating, A, you could not be eating enough in the first place, right? And do what I did for six months and eat more food, eat as much as you can, be really full at the end of the day, but you're eating a lot of fiber, you're eating a lot of protein, you know, you're eating, you're eating calories that are higher in volume. So it's not as easy to overeat on those calories, right? But, you know, Sometimes I have my clients track food and within the first week, it's like, hey, look at this. We went out to dinner and we had X, Y, and Z. That was potentially a 1500 calorie night, you know, and we compare that to a full day of eating on a Monday or a Tuesday. And people often have, you know, that 1500 calories through the whole course of the day early in the week. So food tracking, I think can be such an amazing tool, but it can be extremely helpful for tracking calories in 
helping you eat closer to maintenance, but also help you eat in a surplus without going way over. So your body's storing more fat over time and finding that balance of like, what foods can I have as my staples and my foundations and my meals and things that I know are going to get me to a certain amount of protein and calories and things at the end of the day. And then maybe adding some of the fun stuff and, and accounting for, you know, weekend eating away from home and some dessert and things like that, that can help increase your calories because it's really easy to, to go out to eat and to eat ice cream and to drink a shit ton of chocolate milk and, and, you know, gain weight by just eating whatever you want compared to eating strategically, eating enough, getting enough micronutrients and macronutrients and not breaking the bank so much that you're gaining more fat than you want to when you are building muscle. So tracking food can really help with that and tracking food only for weight loss purposes, you know, it it has its place, but it can be just as important or just as useful for you eating and maintenance calories and, and identifying like what that actually looks like. So you can replicate that and continue that long-term, but to also help you with your muscle building goals at the same time too. So, you know, food tracking, I, I think is a powerful tool that a lot of people can benefit from, but I also think it's something that not everybody would benefit from all the time, you know? And I think with my approach, like approaching it from a place where like, what are our calories that we're shooting for? Are we getting enough protein in every day? filling in those extra calories from your preferred balance of carbs and fat and whatever ratio you prefer of that, you know, having this more flexible kind of dieting or, you know, this approach to your nutrition can be pretty enlightening to show like how you can hit certain numbers at the end of the day. But the goal eventually is for you to not be able to track one day, right. And to come away from that tool and to be able to, to feel comfortable not having that tool by your side every every step and every goal that you're working towards. But understanding that food tracking can be a really good tool and, and something that's really empowering, but something that can be used to help you get to your goals quicker. Man, it just it's not only used for weight loss. It can be used for for building muscle and, and finding your maintenance calorie range as well too. So um, moving on to number three, the more you work out, the better. Wow. You know, I, I know a lot of people can relate to me and a lot of clients that I work with, you know, we get in, it's like, how many times are you working out? Well, I work out five or six times a week and I do high intensity stuff. I do the online programs. I do, you know, running on my off days. And a lot of times we're programmed as a society to like move more. Like that's just the answer, right? You want more muscle, move more, work out more, right? Like you want to lose more weight, move more, <laughs> you know, you want, you want to get faster, like just keep running, running more, you know? And a lot of times we, we don't appreciate the recovery process that it takes to make those adaptations to get to the goals or that body image or that look or that muscle development that we're really after for in the first place, you know? And we think that if we take a weekend off, like all of our gains and all of our progress is going to be lost, right? Or if we, if we take a week off, like that's going to be very detrimental and, and something that's going to be taking away from our progress in the long term. And, and the more workouts that we can cross off our list, the better that we're going to be, you know? But the problem is with that is we get to a point where we're so obsessed with working out and crossing off that workout from our, our weekly checklist, you know? And we lose sight of what progress 
is like when we have adequate rest and recovery. And I'm going to talk about sleep here, a few more bullet points down. But this idea that the more we exercise, the more progress and the more muscular and, and just the better we're going to look, you know, over time, it's, it's, it's destroying us, you know, and a lot of times getting people from working out five or six days a week and getting them to understand like, Hey, we can work out three or four times a week and make better progress likely than what you're doing now. Right. And obviously like the type of workouts you do and the intensity that you do those workouts, like there's a lot of factors that go into, you know, the more movement or sorry, the more exercise you do, the better. Right. But this idea that you just need to be working out every day and working out four or five times a week, six times a week, always every single week and not taking breaks just to make progress. Like that is killing your progress, believe it or not. You know, your body and a lot of times people couple that with insufficient calorie intake, right? Not eating enough and cutting back on carbs and <laughs> deload. I don't know if you've heard of that word before, but it's, um, man, it's something we could do a whole podcast on, but it's, it's essentially reducing the intensity and the volume of whatever exercise, you know, stimulus that you're putting on your muscles each week. And that's something that I have all my coaching clients do. The ones that I do workout programming for is like, Hey, after five, six weeks, you know, four weeks of, of this progressive overload style training, like we're taking the week off or we're reducing the amount of intensity or the, the type of workout that we're doing so we can allow for that recovery period, you know, because that's where progress starts to happen is when your body has enough tools and resources to rebuild the muscle that is being broken down, but also it has enough time and has enough, um, you know, rest and recovery to be able to build on those adaptations and, and, you know, those micro tears that we're making in our muscles, giving our body enough time and resources to recover from that so we can come back better and stronger and get more out of our workouts in the future. Um, and this idea that taking a week off, taking a weekend off, taking two, three days off in a row, like it's going to, it's going to kill your progress, man. I'm telling you, the more you work out and the more boot camp style workouts you do and, and the more you're busting your ass every single week and the more you're running and just the more and more and more you're doing, the more you're likely actually taking away from your progress and, and the muscle development that you're looking for in the first place. Okay, so I, I wrote this down because personally I used to think this and this was something that I did. I, I thought five, six workouts a week. And I prided myself on that. I was like, Hey, yep, I got my six workouts in. I'm taking one day off, but I'm going to go for a light jog that day. And, you know, maybe do a 5k or do a walk and get outside. And, you know, maybe I'll do some mobility, but this idea, like wearing a badge of honor of like how many workouts you get in a week, man, it's counterproductive sometimes, you know? And if you are doing that, like your nutrition needs to reflect that as well to make sure we're giving your body enough resources and energy to to be able to come back and get more out of that workout that next day, you know, but at the end of the day, like something's going to give if, if you're not eating enough and you're working out too much. Okay. And more likely than not, you know, I, I always tell people this cause people say like, Oh, I've been working on my goals for a year or two years or three years or four years. And I work out super consistently and I, it's not the workout piece. It's the nutrition piece. Well, I asked like, what are you doing for your workouts? And it's like, well, I'm doing this, 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 and I'm only taking Sunday off or I'm taking Saturday off or I take Monday off. And it's like, well, maybe we need to de decrease the amount of exercise that you're doing so we can let your body heal and recover and, and make progress on what, you know, what the end goal is. So it's, um, it's a slippery slope. And, and a lot of times, you know, you hear the recommendation of like eat less and move more. And I think, man, 
I, I think for the general public, like this idea that, hey, yes, we're overweight as a society. Like I think two out of three people are obese today as we sit here. And it's, um, it's a time where heart disease is the highest it's ever been. Diabetes, kidney disease, like all these things, all these terrible things that happen because of, you know, our decreased activity, our sedentary lifestyles. And that with kind of this Western diet and this increased calories, it's a, it's a perfect storm to create an environment for people to be overweight. Right. And I think the, the eat less, move more is, is like a push in the right direction for some people. But you know, the people likely listening to this podcast are the people who are on the other end of that extreme, who are obsessed with how they look, who are, you know, really involved with their nutrition and fitness and the people who who give a shit about themselves and, and, and really want to just be the best version of themselves and take that to the extreme and expect that the progress that they're looking for is by just doing more exercise all the time. So, um, yeah, at the end of the day, your body needs to recover. It needs to make adaptations. And in order to do that, you need to have enough nutrition, enough resources, enough building blocks to be able to rebuild that muscle and the tissues and everything that you're breaking down. You need to give yourself time. Okay. So doing your six, you know, hit workouts a week, you'll probably be better off doing three or four of those, you know, or cutting back to two or three and, and putting some lower intensity style workouts, lower intensity walking, going into some more resistance training, changing up your workout style. So you can create an environment where muscle growth can happen. Okay, because your body's not going to prioritize building muscle and changing your body composition if you're constantly not feeding enough and tearing it down and you're constantly just beating it up and and at the end of the day, your body's just going to prioritize getting you back to baseline so you can take that beating and that workout and whatever you put your body through the next day instead of actually making progress and progressions or adaptations because of that. So the end of the day, don't feel like you need to work out six times a week. Okay. That's, uh, that's not always the answer. Number four, um, meal plans really help people. <laughs> and wow, this is, this is a kind of a slippery slope because you know, and you might be this person. I was this person at one point. It's like, I'm really good with structure. I, I, I just tell me what to do. I'll follow it. I'll eat it. And, and, you know, I'll see the results because of it. But the problem with meal plans are, you know, yes, theoretically they can work, you know, but a lot of times the meal plans that we get are not individualized to you. They don't take into any considerations of what you actually like to eat and what your routine is like. And if you eat a big breakfast or dinner or have snacks, like a lot of times when you get meal plans are kind of generic. And to be honest with you, I think actually, man, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to say I know, but I think dietitians like registered dietitians are the only people that can actually prescribe meal plans to people. Um, and all, all the influencers, all the, you know, personal trainers, like, you know, they likely have meal plans and this is not a diss on them because I, I man, this is, this is a touchy subject because a, a lot of the people in the health space, like they give a shit about their clients and they want them to look better and to feel better, you know, but oftentimes they don't have that nutrition background and, and, you know, some of those critical thinking skills and, and the behavior change skills and the things that it requires to, to make long-term nutrition changes sustainable, right? Like you sling them a meal plan and then you put them on their exercise program. Like, hell yeah, a lot of people are going to lose weight, you know, put them on a 1400 calorie diet. You give them four workouts a week. Hell yeah. People are going to, are going to look better after eight weeks of doing that after three months of doing that. But my problem with meal plans, is it just doesn't teach you how to 
drive the fucking bus, right? Like you're just a passenger at that point. And this is something that I used to do. Believe in one of my first clients that I had coaching clients, I, I was working with her for free. You know who you are if you're listening to this. And I, I came up with this meal plan because I'm like, this is this is it. All the macros, the calories, what a perfect day is like, X, Y, and Z. What happens is she stuck with it for a week, right? A couple weeks, had some off days. I, I scheduled in some refeed, quote unquote, days, which were like cheat days, <laughs> um, which is honestly contributing more of to this like <laughs> disordered eating pattern, you know, thinking back. And I, I'm not laughing at this now, but it's just looking back at this, like these things that I used to believe and things that honestly people are doing now and things that people think are the answer really, man, it, they really... It just goes beyond meal plans and everything that we're talking about today. But going back to this, uh, this client that I had, you know, we got results, you know, a few months later, you know, we kind of st- stopped with check-ins and things like that, but wasn't doing super well, wanted a, a recopy or wanted a new meal plan, meal plan. And I just thought to myself, like, I didn't teach this chick fucking anything. Like I, I did a terrible job at, you know, and there was some education and things like that of maybe why we hit those certain numbers. But what happens is when we give the answers to the test, right? Like nobody learns that. And what I want you to get from this is I want you to be curious as to why, you know, meal plans are structured the way they are. Like why meal plans maybe not be the best idea long-term for you and your goals. Why relying on a meal plan and thinking that that's the answers to the test that you're looking for, why that's not going to help you navigate, you know, that wedding that you're going to in two months. You know what I mean? Why heading into summer, how inevitably when you have to deviate away from that meal plan, you will not have necessarily the skills and the confidence needed to make those food selections and to stick with your goals without being on that meal plan, you know? So I think meal plans, the reason I put this in here is I think they're a detriment, you know? And I, I say that lightly because I do still do some, some meal plans in the context of, okay, we have a client, we have these calorie goals. This is what we were doing. Let's build up a mock perfect day of what that might look like for you. And let's come up with it together. And let's come up with your breakfast and your lunch and your dinner and your snacks. And, and let's let's make sure that we're creating something that you like, that you can come up with, that you can repeat, you know, maybe once or twice or three times a week, just so you know what that looks like, you know. And then we can we can build other meals and other things around that and use that as a template, but not as like a permanent solution to what we're doing, right? And the individual being individualized with the nutrition for yourself like that's how you stick to things long term you know like expecting to to just have something provided to you online or by somebody else that doesn't necessarily know all the ins and outs and what your stress is like and what your lifestyle is like and you know what your environment is like that can influence your nutrition decisions and in just the the perceptions that you have for yourself and your body and around food and the education base that you have, like the meal plans, they just, they just don't help long-term with that. And I just want to get that main point across is like, there's something that I think has a place every once in a while, but it's not something that you should rely on. And I found that out the hard way because I found out that I couldn't stick with the meal plan. And in the very beginning, it was something that you know, I, I beat myself up because it's like, Oh man, I should be able to do this. I'm just not disciplined. I need to do X, Y, and Z. When at the end of the day is like the meal plan and the diet protocol, it failed to meet my lifestyle goals and it failed to 
to meet me where I was at. And it forced me to pick my life up and put my life and my eating routines into a box of something that was more generic than anything. And I just realized that, you know, in my infancy stages of coaching, like giving that to clients, it just did the same thing, you know? So from day one, like if you and I are working together, it's like, why are we coming up with calorie ranges? Why do we need to get there? Like, how are we accounting for exercise, your, your lifestyle, your, your job, like what's going on that we need to create a plan that's more specific and tailored to you and something that you can stick to and actually feel good doing, you know, and not just doing something temporarily, getting a temporary result and then just going back to the old habits and routines and weight and whatever lifestyle that you were doing beforehand. So man, it's not that I, I hate meal plans. I just, I just hate the fact that they, they, for some people, they take the curiosity out of, of things and, and there's no education most likely behind some of those meal plans. And it's, it's more something that can contribute to honestly disordered eating patterns because you have this relationship with food where it's like, I need to be on my meal plan. But then when I'm off it, I'm saying, fuck it. And it's just like doing whatever I want when in reality, there just needs to be more balance throughout the week. Okay. And, and having that rigidity and structure all the time, it, it honestly is just, it's, it's hurting you more than it's helping you. So, um, moving on to the next one, eating healthy quote unquote, would get me to my body goals, right? So avoiding the bad foods and the fattening foods and eating only healthy foods. And this is me, I would say in the beginning of my kind of college career, because before I started to to dive into the nutrition piece and, and looking at nutrition and health and wellness and fitness, like there's this stigma around foods, right? Like if you were to ask somebody what a good food is and what a bad food is, they're going to give you their opinion on it. And more likely than not, they're going to say good foods are the foods that maybe have more fiber, have more colors, are plants that come from the earth. And bad foods, quote unquote, are things that are processed, that have sugar in it, that have artificial sweeteners in it, that have added, you know, added sugar and fat to it and that are higher in calories. But at the end of the day, no food is inherently bad for you. Okay, like ask yourself, like if you in the overall context of a healthy lifestyle, like maybe your calories are in check, your proteins in check, your steps are in check, you're working out consistently, you're taking care of your mental health, you're getting enough sunlight, you have healthy relationships, you're doing personal development and you eat a bowl of ice cream every night. Does that make you unhealthy? No, absolutely not. You know, like eating a certain food, having a diet soda, even a, fuck a regular soda. And if, if we're going to call good and bad foods, if we're not going to say there's, there's any good and bad foods, or if there had to be some bad foods, like to be honest with you, I'd put soda. <laughs> I'm not going to say it's a bad food, but like liquid sugar is just fucking terrible. And I, I'm, I'm not even going to go into that, but I think that, I think this idea that like there's good foods and there's categories of foods that are good. Yes. Like that yes, there's foods that have more micronutrients and more fiber and that are more satiating and that have a better macronutrient profile, right? And and things that can help you get to your goals a little bit quicker and, and things that have been proven to, to improve outcomes with certain things and lower blood panels or um, lipid panels and things like that. And yes, there are foods that like the ice creams and the sodas and, and the pastries and the desserts and stuff like that that are have more calories, they're less satiating, you know, they're more calorie dense, they don't have as much nutrients, like there's, there are those differentiations or um, 
differentiating factors between those foods, but just because you eat something that's quote unquote, not as, you know, nutrient dense as something else, like that doesn't make you a bad person. That doesn't make you unhealthy. It's like, it's, it's literally just disrespectful to the complexity of nutrition and your body and, and everything that's happening to, to label foods as good as bad. It's just, it's just lazy. So, you know, this idea that there are good and bad foods or healthy or unhealthy foods, like that's also contributing to some of this disordered eating patterns and this unhealthy relationship with foods because we, we categorize these things and relating back to this point that I'm trying to make that eating healthy would get you to your body goals. Like the more clean you eat, quote unquote, and the more healthy you eat, like the more likely you are to get to the end outcome goal that you're working towards. Maybe it's a less body fat percentage. Maybe it's more muscle, but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to a calorie balance, you know, and it's going to come down to, to eating enough, maybe carbohydrates, eating enough protein, eating, eating enough micronutrients, you know, getting to a point where you're eating enough calories to develop muscle and, and to, to induce muscle protein synthesis and to create an environment that, you know, your hormones are, are, are healthy and, and your digestion is awesome and your mental health is better. Like just because you're eating healthy foods, like that doesn't always equate to you reaching your body composition goals, you know, and, and this goes back to one of the points I made earlier, you know, like just because I think it was with tracking with food, you know, if, if you're eating in a calorie deficit or not enough calories, but you're eating all healthy foods, like you can't expect to gain muscle with that because your body needs an extra energy and, and, and more resources and for you to be eating in a calorie surplus to gain muscle, right? So just because you're eating 1800 calories of lean protein, chicken, broccoli, brown rice, right? Like not eating desserts, eating all these healthy things over the course of the day, just because you're eating those things, that doesn't mean that you're going to be building muscle because of that. So that's where food tracking can come in and can help and, and kind of repair that relationship that you have with certain foods and to understand like, hey, I can I can eat these healthy foods, but I can also sprinkle in some of my favorite things and things that I've deemed off limits and make that work and, and create kind of this you know, balance between the two and, and still get to my body goals. Like it's just such an enlightening experience. So, you know, the point I'm driving at is, is just because you eat clean, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be losing weight because you could be potentially be eating more calories than what your body is burning every day. Even if it's coming from clean and high fiber and, and high protein foods, like if you're eating more calories and your body's burning, like over time, you're going to gain weight. Right. And same thing goes for, for maintaining or, or, you know, building muscle mass and, and trying to eat in a surplus. Like if you're not eating enough calories, if you're eating below maintenance calories and you're eating all the right things, like you're not going to see the muscle growth and the progressions that you're looking for. So keeping that in mind and then also backtracking to the fact that food tracking can really help that and, and help you appreciate the numbers and, and how and what it's going to take to get you to your goals and, and kind of creating a plan that works for you that you can honestly just stick to more frequently. So um, moving on next up, we have, man, this one, this one hits home, but being lean with abs is your best life. And just being your leanest self is your best life. Like this idea, like the, the skinnier you are, the leaner you are, the more toned you are, the happier that you're going to be. It's, um, man, we, a lot of times I give this example of like, in the pursuit of our health and fitness goals and our body goals, a lot of times people sacrifice their quality of life to achieve those goals, 
you know, and the, the goals, let's be real. Like if for you to get some abs, some, some ab definition, some muscle definition to, to lose that last bit of body fat, like it's going to take more time, effort, and resources to be able to do that. But you're going to get less of a return the longer you're kind of working towards your goals and the closer you are to those goals that you're working towards. So for somebody listening to this, maybe you're 15% body fat, you socially have fun, you have drinks every once in a while, once a week, you get to go to work parties and happy hour and eat out a few times a week. And for you, in order to get to that 12% body fat for that 10% body fat, you have to cut back on some of those events or say no to the alcohol or cut back on your favorite desserts and eat less and spend more time in a deficit and more time intelligently working out and spending time getting more steps throughout the day and, and changing your life more and more and more. A lot of times that isn't worth it. You know, like it comes down to like, is the juice worth the squeeze? Like, are you willing to put in the effort to get to that extra 5%? You know, are you willing to put in that extra three to six months or a year or two years of training and being consistent with your goals to see that 5% return over time, you know? And a lot of people, I'd argue, A, don't appreciate the trade-offs and the things that it's going to take to get to their end goal, right? Or people underestimate what it's actually going to take to get there. And those two are a recipe for disaster because we all were caught in this loop of like, hey, we want X, Y, and Z, or we want to look like that, or we want to build this, or we want to be at this body fat percentage or this weight, but we're not willing to put the effort in or to make the sacrifices in order to make those changes and in order to get to that goal, let alone keep that goal long-term, right? Because you can do something temporarily for temporary results, but as soon as you get to that weight and you start to get back to your old routines, like you're not going to be able to maintain that progress. Like you, you have to live like somebody who is at the goal weight or at the goal body fat percentage that you want to be, um, or at the goal muscle mass that you want to be like, you have to also emulate those actions and be consistent with them. But a lot of times be real with yourself, like eating more is more fun. You know, sometimes working out less is more fun. Saying no less is more fun. Like being able to go hang out and have dessert randomly with, with a friend that needs your help one night, like that, that's more fun. Being able to go to pizza with the boys on a Saturday night after fucking golfing, like that's more fun. It's the more you get closer to your goals, just the more effort and sacrifice that it's going to take for you to get to those goals, but to also stay at those goals. And at the end of the day, you know, if people knew what it costs to get to where they want to be, <sighs> we'd have a lot more people being more happy and more content with the lives that they're at because your goal, and I'm not going to tell you what your goal should be, but my opinion, like we need to find a balance between being in a body that we feel comfortable and confident in and living a lifestyle that we also enjoy too. Because oftentimes we don't find that balance in between. And oftentimes we sacrifice one at the expense of the other right? You sacrifice your life and your happiness to get to a goal or an image or something that you think you want. Or you say, fuck it, and you're not doing anything. And you sacrifice your health and your goals and things like that to live a life of, of, you know, whatever insert, um, whatever you like to do, right? But we have to find a balance. And I just want you to appreciate the fact that like, getting to your leanest self likely isn't something that 
is the most fun for you. You know, you're going to be eating less. You're going to be sacrificing more. You're going to be prioritizing recovery and workouts and trainings and, and, you know, potentially, potentially eating more, saying no to friends or uh, cutting back on alcohol consumption, cutting back on, you know, some of your favorite foods, desserts, like higher calorie foods and sticking to the, some of those things that can help get you or keep you or get you to your goals. Like sometimes those trade-offs aren't worth it. So I just want you to remember that being lean all year round and getting to your leanest self likely isn't your happiest life either. So moving on to number seven, um, am I doing on time, man, I'm, I'm deep into this and that intro kind of threw me off, but we're going to get through all of these. So sleep wasn't that important. I didn't think sleep was a make or break thing when I was kind of starting my own fitness journey and really getting into the resistance training side of things and the workouts and, and trying to change my body composition. And man, Colt, if you are listening to this episode, like you, you were the pioneer for this and, and you, um, I wish I would have listened to you more. You know, we kind of get in these these things where it's it's an ego hit to have other people tell you what you should and shouldn't be doing. And even though you know they're right, like doing things not in spite of that, but not not committing and not listening and not taking in other people's opinions and in and, and critiques and stuff like that. Sometimes that's what contributes to the frustrations and us just spinning our wheels with our fitness and our nutrition and our business and everything that you have in life, you know, cause we're not open to trying new things or appreciating and, and, you know, valuing other people's opinions and, and things that they observe in you. And the reason I, I say my old roommate is because, uh, <laughs> when I was, I think a freshman or sophomore in college, you know, I was just getting a nutrition. I was working out, honestly, what I was doing, what I said you shouldn't do. And what I used to believe is working out five, six times a week was the answer. Right. But I was coupling that with meal prepping, like eating clean, quote unquote, but I, I just wasn't sleeping, you know? And at the time I had a job and I'd work out or I'd work out a lot of times early in the morning and I'd go to work early in the morning and have class and whatever, doing that throughout the day and studying in the library. Like for my college kids, like I think a lot of people have different college experiences. Like I, I definitely wasn't the party type. I, I wasn't going to frat parties or the bars or bar hopping or, you know, honestly, our idea of fun was just kind of staying in, playing video games and, and playing basketball every once in a while. But, you know, for a while there, I was, I was studying so much. I was getting my head into gear. I was working out. I was taking things so serious and just being so extra with everything. But I was sacrificing a lot of my sleep to get more done over the course of the day. And I remember my roommate, he, he was like, dude, you're not sleeping enough. Like sleep is really fucking important. I'm like, I know it is, but I don't have time to sleep. But at the end of the day, like looking back, like those are the things that uh, going back to kind of earlier in this episode, like getting enough sleep is so damn important. But if you're not sleeping enough, you're sleeping six hours, six hours a night, six and a half hours a night. I was at one point sleeping five hours a night, six hours a night, something like that, you know, doing that every single night of the week you're taking away a lot of progress and I can't emphasize it enough, but if you're not getting at least seven hours of sleep right now, you're doing yourself a disservice and, and no amount of workouts are going to make up for that, right? No, you know, no amount of extra calories are going to make up for you getting five hours of sleep a night. Okay. So 
I know those people and, and this is a slippery slope because I have a lot of nursing friends and clients who, who work graveyard and night shifts and swing shifts and like all these things that actually limit their ability to go to sleep. And this, this isn't necessarily for those people. Cause I know there are those extreme examples, but for the, the majority of people, if you're looking at your fucking phone at 10 o'clock, 10 30 at night, 11 o'clock at night, watching Netflix, binging, going to bed at 12, one o'clock, playing video games, doing work, you're not prioritizing your sleep and you're, and you're trying to work towards body goals. Like you're doing yourself a disservice. So, um, this is something that I learned the hard way because I, again, I didn't really see progress that I wanted to see when I was early on in my fitness journey. So I credit a lot of that to a, not knowing what the fuck I was doing, but also not getting enough rest and recovery and sleep and prioritizing that. And, and really when we talk about big rocks and little rocks, big rocks are getting enough calories, getting enough protein, getting enough sleep, obviously doing the right forms of exercise and resistance training, depending on what your goals are. Maybe you're a runner, maybe your strength or competitor or CrossFit thing, but like doing the right workouts, you know, doing that consistently, you're going to see progress. The little rocks, things like supplements and <laughs> I'm not even going to go into everything because I could again, do a whole podcast on it, but I just want you to remember like sleep is one of those big rocks that we really need to, we really need to prioritize. And if you're not getting seven or eight hours of sleep right now, I really challenge you to do an audit on your night routine, your morning routine, what you're doing during the, you know, the day, what, what is preventing you from going to sleep or getting enough sleep at night? Are you drinking energy drinks or caffeine or coffee at 3 p.m., right? Like, are you doing things that are delaying your ability to fall asleep and slowly start to make those changes because the more sleep you get and the more you prioritize that, the more progress you're going to see because of it as well. So moving on, um, number eight, this idea that muscle confusion and doing random workouts are better than doing the same workouts each week. And Wow. I, I'll be honest. I, I did a P90X stint for a while. Shout out to, to Tony Horton um, and everything he did there. Honestly, I loved it. And it, it got me into resistance training at the time. And it, it exposed me to kind of this progressive overload, like hypertrophy style training and um, tracking workouts and getting used to that. But there was this thing that I always remembered the programming saying, and it's like every three weeks we're going to switch up the workouts and it, we're going to cause muscle confusion because that's what, that's what gives you gains and, and your body's really good at adapting. So we need to confuse it and just keep doing different stuff all the time so that it, it continues to make progressions. Um, and honestly, that's something that, that stuck with me for a long time. Uh, and, and you know, me doing like the high intensity boot camp style workouts, like group training, you know, like this idea of like, Hey, um, and I'll, be honest, I, I did like the influencer like program stuff. I'll talk about that in my next point, but like doing different workouts, it just seems the most effective way to do things. Right. But at the end of the day, you know, dialing down form, working on execution, picking the right exercise selection, talking about tempo, getting into a properly structured resistance training program and building on that week to week is the gold standard of building muscle and, and training for hypertrophy. And, you know, if you think that doing a different workout, every class is the most effective way to get your goals, I, I effective way to get your goals. I really challenge you on that because 
really what needs to happen is over time, you need to get stronger, right? And you need to keep pushing the needle forward. But how you do that is you track workouts, you get good at exercises, and you increase the stimulus week to week. So your body is making these adaptations, right? Every week to week and assuming you're eating enough and hitting your targets and allowing enough adequate time for rest and recovery and and programming deload weeks into the equation the more consistent you are with your training in in doing these honestly same what three four workouts a week and you're in the gym and 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 you get to four weeks five weeks six, six weeks and you make progressions week to week and that's how you're going to see those changes in the physique that you're looking for. Okay. It's not by burning the most calories and, and constantly switching up the workouts every single time that, that you're in the gym. Okay. And you know, this used to be me going into the gym, just thinking like, Hey, I'm just going to do these exercises that I saw was posted today or on my influencers kind of Instagram page, or I know like push pull legs. So I'm just going to do that this week. And unfortunately, like, unless we know what we're doing and we know what we're doing week to week. And if we're not, you know, if we're tracking our workouts, like we have no idea what we're going or sorry, we have no, nothing pushing us harder week to week. If we're just going in and just doing random workouts every week in every training session, you know, and the only thing that I've found that is going to challenge you week to week is if you have a sheet and you have a log and you have something that hey, this is what I did last week. This is what I need to beat this week. Like that's what pushes you outside of your comfort zone. And that's what pushes you to, to getting better week to week. But doing the random workouts, man, there, there's levels to this, right? Because I, I, I'm not shitting on the idea of working out and, and doing these group classes and doing your own thing and, and, and going to the gym because I think that's all great. But in order for you to get to the, maybe the physique that you want or to build muscle, like you have to be a little bit more intelligent and intentional with your, with your training programs, because there's a capacity to the way you can look and the progress that you can make. If you're just switching up things every single class. And if you're doing predominantly cardio, right? Like there's just, there's different styles of training out there. And I'm a huge fan of all exercise. And I'll always say that because if it gets you up, if it gets you out, if it keeps you showing up week to week, like I, I just love that, you know, and and this kind of point that I'm driving at here is it's not to discourage you from training or to doing the training that you're doing right now, but it's just to get you thinking about like, what are my goals? And my goal primarily weight loss. And I don't really care how much muscle I build or what I look like underneath the fat. Like, honestly, there's so many exercise forms that are going to be good. Um, but if your goal is to like change your physique and to, to look, you know, to build muscle and to honestly just to look better naked and, and to feel good and, and to get to a point where you really love the way you look and sculpting your body, like doing some resistance training and lifting weights and pushing your comfort zone, like that's, that's how you get there. So you don't need to change your workouts up every week. And a lot of times, you know, the clients that I work with, they've graduated and they've gone through this process of like, okay, I I was at one point looking myself in the mirror and I didn't like what I see. So I decided to go all in on the Peloton or the workout classes or the CrossFit or the group training. Right. And then it's like, you start to see these progressions where it's like they saw results in the beginning and they're really happy with that. But now it's like this next progression of like, well, I thought I was going to look like this and I want to look better than what I am right now. But, but they keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting the same results when in reality, it's almost like this graduation process where I see all the time. It's like, 
you start off, you're not doing anything at all. Then you get into biking or running or doing some aerobic stuff because that's very accessible and it's very easy to start doing. And then that gets you into the group training or the coaching and, um, getting into the gym and doing your own workouts. And then you get a certain amount of results doing that. But in order to take yourself to the next level, like that's when you need more structured resistance training and programming and more kind of, you know, intelligent workouts each week. So you can continue to make those progressions in, in kind of get to the end goals that you're, that you're really looking for and getting to a body that you feel really comfortable in and, and feeling strong in that as well. So I feel like I rambled on a lot on that one, but, um, moving into number nine, I thought I could look like somebody else by doing their workouts. And I'm, I am so appreciative. Um, I'm going to throw a name out there. His name's Jeremy Scott. He's my guy. Um, I, I don't personally know him, but I've listened to a lot of his podcasts. I bought pretty much all of his training programs. And I honestly, I loved him. And I, I love his approach because he, I would say he gives a shit about people's health and their fitness more than most online. Cause it's a slippery slope, right? Like, trainers and people and people that look shredded, like there's a fine line. Like there's only a handful of people I think in the industry that actually care about you, the consumer and, and how you feel and not necessarily about how much money you have to give to them for the programs and whatever bullshit that they make. But Jeremy Scott was somebody that I definitely invested into him and did his programs and everything. And the reason I bought into that and why I leaned into that in the beginning is because I thought I, I would look like him if I did his program stuff. <laughs> you know, and there's, this is multifactorial, but thinking back on that, it's like one of the biggest influence of people investing into other people, into their health. And it's sad to say, but it's just the reality that we live in is like, it's how they look, you know? And if, if, if somebody that you're following is the ideal image that you're looking for, like people are more likely to invest into them regardless of their credentials, just based on the fact that you think they know what they're doing because of the way they look, you know, and man, there's, there are a lot of competent people out there, but there's a, there's a lot of people that are not in it for the right reasons too. And we have no idea what, what substances, what it took for them to get to the road that they're at. But at the end of the day, like whoever you have in the back of your mind on who you want to look like, I promise you, you could eat the same way they do. You could do all the same workouts that they do every single week. You could work out for the same amount of time that they've worked out. You are not going to look like them, right? Like your own genetics, your anatomy, your predisposition, you know, there's so many things your environment are going to influence the way that you look um, and the, the goals that you can get to, but no two people look the exact same. Okay. And the, the thing that I want to get across here is like, Yes, there is a lot of really good looking people and the people that we see online, like those are the 0.01% of the world. Like those are the people that we're exposed to and those are the people that we're comparing ourselves to. But just be careful of, and again, I would, I'm not dissing on Jeremy Scott because I, I, I love the guy and I think he he does incredible work. And if you don't follow him, I, I recommend you giving him a follow because he does a lot of really good work. But I'm I'm relating this to, what I'm talking about today, because I, I thought that I could look like him and I thought I could look like people that have been working out for 10 to 15 years, busting their ass, you know, in the matter of 30 days. And that's why initially with the help of other reasons, but that's why I invested into him and some other people. And, you know, 
I'm here a year, two years into my own nutrition coaching. And that's a kind of a, a thing that I talk about a lot with my clients is like, Hey, you know, we have these goals. We know what we want to look like, but let's, let's talk about expectations and, and what it's going to take to, to be in a position to look similar to other people or to get to a similar body fat or weight or performance goal, like whatever people are working towards, but just understanding like no two people are, are going to be the same. And just because somebody looks like you want to look like eventually, you know, that doesn't mean what they're selling or the workouts that they're randomly posting. That's how they got their body. Okay. A lot of times it's, man, we, we again, have no idea how long it took people to get to their bodies and, and what kind of training that they did. And, and, you know, that maybe they did a lot of CrossFit or resistance training or structured programming early on in their career. And they've been sticking with that. And again, it goes back to them living a life that you would absolutely hate, right? Like there's so many factors that go into it, but just taper your expectations. And there's a lot of people that we can look up to, but just understand that you're, you're the only, you know, person that you have, you're in the body right now that you're going to have forever. And we have to appreciate it for where, where it's at right now. And obviously what it's capable of doing, but coming out of, out of a place of self-love instead of a, a place of comparison and, and just wishing that we could look like somebody else and letting that influence our decisions of what we do with our time and our workouts and our resources and our money and our mental energy, you know, just, just remember it's, um, man, there's just so much more that goes into it than, than the way people look. And there's a lot of really good looking people on Instagram and things like that. But, you know, just because they, look like they have it all, like they've hit their goals. They look like you want to look. That doesn't mean that they have the re like the education to be credible enough to be giving out advice in the first place, nor are the programs and the things that they, they are offering always yield the results that you're thinking that you're going to get or that you're going to look like them at the end of the day. So I digress. Um, last but not least, um, this last point I made, it's, uh, I could figure out everything on my own and I'm going to keep this one short. You know, if you know me and I've told this story a few times, but I've hired my own coaches and I see a lot of people because I'm a firm believer that you don't have to be an expert at everything, right? And you don't need to know everything and you don't need to figure everything out on our own. And at the end of the day, that mentality, you doing everything yourself, you trying to figure everything out yourself, like you're just adding years of frustration and stress in, you know, this confusion around you getting to your goals. Um, and at the end of the day, there's a lot of people out there that can help you and that want to help you that have the answers that you're looking for and that can help get you to where you want to be quicker. Um, but it, it's kind of an ego hit to, to take a step back and, and to appreciate the fact that, Hey, I don't know everything. Um, whatever journey, whatever stage that you're in and, you know, appreciating the fact that you don't have to, to know everything and to figure everything out on your own because you trying to do that and you following along with the pack or trying to do your own quote unquote research, whatever that means. And, and kind of following along and just trying all these random things all the time, like seeing what sticks essentially, right? Like that's a lot of times this, the source of your frustration and not sticking with something long enough, but also not knowing what, what your goal is, like really knowing what your why is and what goal that you actually want to get to and why that's important to you. Um, but also just going through the motions and trying so many different things 
because you have this expectation that you can figure out everything on your own. Okay. Like that's, that's why, that's why there's lawyers, you know, that's why I have an accountant and that's why, you know, there's personal trainers and that's why there's doctors and that's why there's insert literally any profession out there. Like there's professionals in every area of our, of, of our world. But at the end of the day, we all eat and we all exercise. So we all feel entitled that, <laughs> you know, we know what we're doing based on what goals you've been able to accomplish or because you eat, you know, that you think that you should know what you should be doing and what you should be eating because of the fact that it's something that you do every single day, but it, it doesn't, man, it doesn't always equate to that. So I guess for this, don't be afraid to, to ask for help. Don't be afraid to hire a coach or to invest into somebody or something to, to just try something different because you trying everything on your own, diet hopping, trying the diet protocols, you know, investing into different things, doing your own Google searches, like trying all these things, like you're just going to get more confused at the end of the day because there's so much shit out there, right? And there's so many people talking about what you should, what you shouldn't do. And at the end of the day, it's, um, it's just a slippery slope and it's a, it's a, it's a hamster wheel that you could be in forever if, if man, if you allow it to, you know, and that's why I have people who I've honestly worked with who say they've been working on getting to their goals their whole life. And I think there's a difference between actively pursuing your goals and putting an effort towards your goals and, and compared to like thinking about where you want to be and, and thinking about your goals for a long time. But people start dieting in high school and they do that until they're 60 years old. And that is that the thought of that just, it literally kills me inside. So don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, I, I thought I was that person at one point. I majored in nutrition. I'm a dietitian. Like I should be doing all these things. I should know what to do. But it wasn't until I hired, you know, my own coach that I honestly, I put the pieces together and I, I found that what works for me. And I, I found the importance of, you know, altering your environment and adjusting your lifestyle and changing your mindset and pairing workouts and exercise that can actually get you to your goals and talking about different calorie ranges and how to come up with different numbers and how to account for dieting history and how to go into a calorie deficit and, and what you need to do to gain weight and, and to, to build muscle, right? And how long it takes to do that. And all of these things that, you know, you'll find that coaches have done the hard way and they've learned the hard way. So they're helping other people essentially save time um, and resources and, and helping them do it right the first time. But this is something that I, I found out the hard way. And I had this idea that, hey, this is my profession. I'm a professional in this. Like I should know how to do everything. But it wasn't until I had my own accountability source, another set of eyes. And honestly, just the humility to be able to take a step back and to be a student again and, and to understand that you can always learn from somebody else and always benefit from a mentor and always have somebody in your corner to, to help get you to where you want to be. So don't be afraid to ask for help. And... Um, Honestly, I'm going to, I'm going to end it there because I feel like I can talk about all of these things forever, but these were kind of nine or 10 reasons or 10 things that I used to believe. And, you know, whether you've believed these in the past or you're believing them right now, like just know that you're not alone. Okay. And I've gone through them. Clients have gone through them and they're honestly going to be here forever. So, um, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to challenge the previous thoughts and beliefs that you've been telling yourself your whole life. And don't be afraid to try something new and get outside of your comfort zone and, man, just continue to kick some ass. Okay. Um, appreciate you listening again. Um, until next time, eat with a purpose, train with intention and 
think with confidence as you work towards your own health and nutrition and fitness goals. Um, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you again for listening to this episode. If you found value and enjoyed it, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media. If you do, make sure you tag me so I can say thanks. Or if you're on iTunes, scrolling down and leaving a five-star review would be much appreciated. And if you ever want to get in touch with me, you can always find me on Instagram at LukeSmithRD. Thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. I'll see you on the next episode.